Hello and welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and I have joining me today, A.J. Simmons. He's an assistant director of the Peer Professionals Program at UNC Charlotte, and he's also a activist or a community organizer. You've got the greenery in the back, and, and we'll get to talking about some of your work in the community and, and doing the work with your, your students. I should say act, advocacy, uh, perhaps more than activism, would, would be appropriate word. But man, I'm excited to talk to you. I've had a chance to speak with you about some of your programs and how you've gotten started as a professional and uh, all that good stuff. Before we do get started, I'm ready to, to roll right in. But before we get started, I want to make sure to tell everybody to visit seleducators.com, uh, the sponsor of our podcast. Uh, we provide adult SEL professional development for educators and visit us at seleducators.com to find that. You can also subscribe on YouTube at SEL Educators. With that being said, AJ, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great, phenomenal and amazing. And Trey, I just want to thank you again for uh, featuring me. Uh, in this episode and welcoming me into this space. I appreciate it. My pleasure, man. I, I, it stood out to me, you know, I'm, I'm interested. I've done a lot of work in the K-12 space, but moving up to like career development and how the work that's being done in high school or um, K-12 is leading up into university level. And so you've had a cool opportunity to kind of be a founder of and like a starter of the program at UNC Charlotte. Can you kind of just break down for me what the peer professional program that you're a part of is? Certainly, yes. Yeah. So the uh, peer professional uh, program at UNC Charlotte is actually a part of our University Career Center, which I'm currently employed. And um, I, I actually did not uh, start the program, but had a, a good uh, opportunity to join early on uh, as a student myself, um, studying to, to work on my master's. Uh, and this program is one that uses a relational approach to, to have students help other students. Uh, so that's kind of the whole peer aspect of it. Uh, we have students who we train up on all sorts of career development topics, everything from resume, cover letter, interview to grad school prep, uh, salary negotiation and everything in between. And, um, you know, as, as a career coach myself, uh, as an assistant director in the office, uh, I do my best to be available to help students and to create programming, but there's only so much we're able to do. So the peer professionals do a tremendous job helping to streamline our services, and, and they, they conduct about seven to 8,000 different interactions with wow. students every semester. Wow, 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 wow. And how many students is it that are doing those, those interactions? Just 13. 13 for seven, 8,000. So what was that experience like for you coming up in your master's program and how has it kind of evolved since then? Yeah, it, it has been, that's a great question. Um, I was actually, I had the opportunity to be the first graduate student to work with this program. Uh, like I had said, it, it was somewhat in its infancy mm -hmm. whenever uh, I came around and they had the ability to create that graduate position to support the, uh, the assistant director at the time who was running the program. And so I was able to come in to a relatively new program and help explore different ways to mm. make those services available to students. I've, I've been around for everything from us positioning peer professionals in the dorm rooms or the dorm uh, common areas on campus mm -hmm. to doing different outreach in other parts of campus to uh, the uh, transition that we've all had to go through 
with with COVID and, and what mm-hmm. 2020 brought for us um, and having to transition most of our services to being virtual. And yeah. then to where we are now, where we're offering hybrid services, both virtual mm-hmm. and in person. So it's been a, a great pleasure to um, you know, be supportive of those students who do such a wonderful job in our office, as well as the thousands of students that we get to interact with every semester, yeah. every year. Um, and for my own personal development, it's been very good because knowing how to get your resume together, knowing how to network with folks, yeah. knowing how to uh, ace an interview is something that's never going to hurt you. Yeah, absolutely. Have you had time to step back and think about your role? In building this program, like you said, one of the first GAs to be a part of it and to now be the assistant director of the of the program and a career coach. Um, have you had time to just just think about what what role you played in it? Uh, you, you know, here and there, um, you know, a lot of the time we find ourselves thinking forward, you know, thinking yeah. of what how can we grow in, in, in different ways, you know, like uh for instance, we have a, a space that we just got dedicated and through some partnerships with, with different folks uh, in the community to actually furnish a space for mm-hmm. our peer pros uh, to, to do the work they're already doing even more effectively. And so my mind is typically future thinking, but I, I guess, you know, here and there, I, I've thought about, um, you know, what we can do or what, I, what I've been able to contribute in the uh, opportunities yeah. that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of. And so I'm just glad to um, you know, to have to 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 have been uh, a part of it. What I will say is, I think you know, when when all is said and done, my particular legacy with the peer professional program is, as well as you know, by extension, the career center at UNC Charlotte, is that we have uh, made diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and equity primary to the work that we do. And so I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, decisions around offering services, both in person and virtually. And Some folks are not going to be able to make it in um, to the office. Right. Just depending on our student population, different folks have different things going on. Uh, Conversely, some folks, you know, as wild as it may seem, don't have the best technology available to them to to do things virtually if that's all that we offer. So having those conversations with folks um, and my team members to make sure that we're as accessible as possible, I think is something that I've been able to add as well as uh, if you look at the staff, just just straight up, if you look at our peer professionals, we always have somebody who's from uh, at least one or two different countries. Mm. We always have, you know, uh, um, healthy number of black folks and brown folks. We always have a healthy number of folks from different, you know, religious backgrounds. And uh, it's funny, we actually had a conversation last week where I was sitting around the table and we were talking about language. And at that table, somebody came from Slavic speaking language, somebody mm-hmm. came from Spanish speaking language, somebody came from Appalachia, from the mountains, mm-hmm. you know, where they, they got their own terminology and stuff for certain things. Somebody had uh, family came from India uh, and someone else's family came from Vietnam. Right. And so there were so many different perspectives. Mm. And I think that that enriches our office culture as well as enriches the students who interact with us. Welcome back to the Dash podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and our goal is to spread awareness and action around SEL. We do this through interviewing school and SEL leaders, 
reviewing articles, and developing adult social emotional skills. You can subscribe to our show and our other content on YouTube at SEL Educators, or you can find us at Apple Podcasts and Spotify by typing in my name, Trey Gamage, in the Dash Podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah, absolutely. And what do those interactions look like for the kids? You mentioned 7,000, 8,000 interactions. So what's the time commitment for these folks and, and what kind of interactions are they having on campus? That's a wonderful question, Trey. Uh, so it, it depends, uh, but typically speaking, our peer professionals are working like 10 to 15 hours a week. And, you know, they fall within our regular business hours, eight to mm-hmm. five. The bulk of, and they do a lot of stuff. They're very tremendous and uh, they, they add a spectacular dynamic to our office. But the bulk of what they do uh, is uh, what we call a drop-in service. And, you know, so if someone wanted to meet with me, they'll probably have to go and schedule an appointment and schedule my mm-hmm. calendar may be tight. Right. And so they yeah. may have to wait a week or two. But the drop in service makes it so that they don't have to schedule an appointment gotcha. to receive help with some of those maybe yeah. less involved topics. Uh, so that's one major thing that they do. Uh, and those topics include resume review, cover letter mm-hmm. review, quick interview tips, how to navigate our online system. Um, and then they also offer, and again, that's both virtual and in person. And they also offer a, uh, resume review, uh, service via our online platform where students, uh, we, so we have a a site called hire a niner and there are at any given time, at least 3000 opportunities in there. Mm. And these are real life, you know, internships, jobs, full-time, part-time, you name it. And so, before any of our students at UNC Charlotte can apply to any of those jobs using that system, they have to have a resume approved by us. Mm -hmm. Well, it's our peer professionals who are the main ones who are reviewing those resumes. So again, they're making it so that students are in a position and their resume is in good shape so that they can even apply to jobs in the first place. And they're helping to to develop those students along the way so that they can, you know, move into those opportunities. So mm-hmm. I would say the higher niner reviews online and then the drop-in service is going to be the bulk of what they do. Okay. That's fun, man. And I, I wonder, I'd be curious to hear some of the success stories that you've seen from students, whether it's the peer professionals or it's the students that they're helping. Like, what are some of the things that um, you hear that's like, man, this is so worth it? Yeah, um, that, those stories come all the time, believe it or not. I was just leading a discussion uh, either Thursday or Friday. And, you know, I'm I'm talking about the services and I'm like, yeah, you know, so you should come to our drop-in hours. Is Peer Pro is going to work with you. And, you know, somebody was like, oh, yeah, no, I came last semester. And they helped me brush up my resume. Mm. And the intern, I got an internship off of that. Mm. I mean, that was just like last Thursday or Friday that the story came. So I I hear those sorts of testimonies all the time. Yeah. Um, You know, and and, and then just the development of um, the peer pros themselves, like you were saying. Um, Mm -hmm. There's one student. And uh, I'm sure he wouldn't mind, but I keep him de-identify. Uh, and he uh, he came into the office one day. This is a few years back. And he was, you know, looking for a job on campus. And so he uh, sat down with one of my colleagues and they, they happened to kind of meet with him. And he mentioned that and he was like, well, you know, there's this pure professional opportunity that, you know, could, could be of interest for you. 
And uh, <laughs> he, he uh, was like, well, what, what is it about? And they kind of broke down the responsibilities. And he was like, well, I wasn't really trying to work that hard. So, you know, is there anything else that mm. I can do? <laughs> so there was another position on campus. He actually in our office, he ended up applying for and he got that. Yeah. And so he did that for a semester or two, but he would see the peer pros. And one day he came to me and he said, well, hey, AJ, you know, it seems like what they're doing is really good. People mm -hmm. walk out, we walk in one way and they walk out a completely different way. They walk out wow. and uplifted and energized. Wow. And I want to see if I can help out in that way. So he said, I don't want to be a peer pro. I just want to help out with the drop-in service. Mm. And I said, okay, well, we can do that. We'll get you trained up and we can use the help. You know, it's only 13 of us, so you can jump in. Yeah. And um, he did that for about a semester. Then at the end of that semester, he says, well, hey, AJ, you know, I really like doing those drop-ins. I think I want to apply to be a peer professional mm. and uh, just go about it the whole way. And uh, so I said, OK, you know, will you go through the regular channels and apply and, and, and we'll check you out. And he did. And he ended up, um, you know, getting a position and, mm -hmm. it, you know, every step of the way you can see him develop. Yeah. And so at first, yeah. a couple of things were shaky. But by the time he graduated, which would have been about two or three semesters into him being a peer professional, mm -hmm. he actually led all peer pros in those online resume reviews that I was talking about. Um, and it wasn't even close. And wow. so to see him just take off in that way yeah. and uh, and then to kind of wrap that up, he, uh, you know, he, he was a December graduate. And I remember so it was about this time last year. Mm -hmm. I remember um, he was getting a little antsy. I don't know. I don't have anything lined up. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, and he just kind of stuck with the process, used the rest of our services at the career center. And by early December, he had a job lined up at a at a really um, decent um, you know banking institution here in Charlotte, mm -hmm. and uh, you know that that opportunity. I, and I, I literally I ran into him uptown Charlotte uh, maybe two or three wow. weeks ago. Wow. Uh, he's got his business suit on, and he's the man now. So yeah. uh, just okay. just to see the development of of him through that time right. has has been very uh, you know replenishing. Absolutely, I think that's the power of, of education and being in a position. To influence, I know it's a it's an academic institution, and you got to mm -hmm. go to class and all those things. But to develop the person first, you know, and to get them yes. prepared to to go out into the world and apply everything that they've learned in the institution, I think is um, where a lot of value comes as well. So I'm I'm glad that you get to do that, and and you get to see it. You know, I think a lot of times in in K twelve, the kids don't know to say thank you. Yeah, but in college, I feel like you you may be able to get a little more appreciation. <laughs> so maybe a little bit more, some kids than others still, or, or young adults. But uh, that's not the only place that you choose to serve. Um, I see you in your greenhouse now. Can you talk to me about what you've got going on outside of your role at the Career Center? Certainly. So, um, you know, I, I always coin myself as a community guy. Um, you know, folks associate me with UNC Charlotte, naturally. Um, but I really got into UNC Charlotte because I was doing work in the community already when I moved here. And um, that through a series of, you know, experiences, that's what led me to UNC Charlotte. So mm -hmm. what what really kind of got me, uh, you know, 10 toes down here in Charlotte was uh, a group or is a group called the Mel's Place Inc., which is a 501c3 nonprofit here in Charlotte. And we're we're in the business of building strong black men. Mm. Uh, these are these are this program is for folks ages 12 to 18. And we do not turn away uh, folks maybe who don't identify that way. 
It's just the way that our programming is set up is we're going to talk about issues that pertain to us. We're going to talk about our cultural uh, history. We're going to talk about things that we can be doing to prepare ourselves, challenges that we face and sometimes yeah. uniquely face. Uh, and so uh, what we found is that thousands and thousands of young men have come through this program since 1993 mm -hmm. when it was formed. Uh, I've been along since 2015, so about seven years. Um, and uh, it, it has been just a, a blessing that keeps on giving. Uh, there are three components to the program um, that guide us. Those components are uh, social justice, manhood development and agriculture and that agriculture piece is you know there you you can't really separate them in the work that mm -hmm. we do but the agriculture piece is the one i think that really sticks out to, to folks because uh, in the charlotte area that's yeah. where most folks see me they see me at the community farm they see me at an urban farm they see me helping to build edible landscaping uh, across and around the city. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. And, and so that is where, um, again, a lot of my interests and a lot of the work that I've done has developed my thesis work uh, mm -hmm. when I was studying at UNC Charlotte was around the developmental uh, capacity or opportunity uh, that exists through community gardening mm. as it relates to uh, positive youth development and critical consciousness mm. in young Black men. What, what are some of those statistics or like data points that you found in your thesis and in your time working in the program? What are you seeing being developed, I guess, from a data standpoint, but also just in the young men from the, from, again, from the person first approach? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, there are a lot of things that we found and we're still exploring it. Um, you know, on the initial look, uh, we, we chose to look through development through uh, two different lenses. So one of them is positive youth development. And mm -hmm. another is, I, I kind of mentioned critical consciousness or uh, which is a part of something called socio-political development. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, here again, we don't, we don't do a cookie cutter approach to anything with the male's place. We don't um, try to put a bandaid over a bullet wound and we don't try to do a one size fits all approach. So the, the farming that we do is not in the absence of being a black person. Um, it's not in the absence of being someone who has these barriers that are in front of you, regardless of your socioeconomic standing, uh, just based on, lack of access and resources, you know, from generations and generations. And so, uh, you know, what we found with positive youth development um, is that folks are uh, developing and there's this concept called the five C's and folks are developing in, in these five different C's. So mm -hmm. competence, right? So the ability to get up and go out and like take something from seed raise it to fruit, take it home to your family, that makes you feel like I can do something. Wow. And yeah. I think we overlook that a lot of us don't really have that many opportunities to display that to ourselves growing mm. up. Sure, you can go to school and do well in school and feel competent. But as you know, as an educator, not everybody is 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 getting that from school. Not everybody is is perceiving school in that way. Um, you can get it from sports, but everybody can't ball, you know, so 
uh, this is this farming is mm -hmm. one way in which folks are able to develop those skills. And these yeah. are real skills. Yeah. Um, confidence can come along with that. Uh, you have character. We get up and on Saturday mornings and go work the farm. It takes a special kind of person, especially a young person, to mm -hmm. get up and be out there at eight in the morning. Everybody is a real farm, like a full farm, or is it like an urban urban farm? So yeah, it's seven thousand square feet. Uh, it's an wow. urban farm right in the heart of Charlotte off Beatty's Ford Road. We had a recent extension, so it was five thousand. And last year we had a two thousand foot extension where we grow in that in that extra space uh in raised beds which has actually exponentially incre increased wow. our, uh, our our pro productivity that's not on like the north side of charlotte is it like northeast side it's like west so okay. um kind of kind of northwest uh but mostly west uh Beatty's Ford Road if you know like Johnson C Smith University mm, okay um and that's health the airport area right it's going towards that way. Okay, right? I so, don't yeah. get too deep into the, okay. <laughs> I got you, I got you. But that's a whole other thing, right? Like when you look at the area that we're doing this work in, an area that we found a lot of black folks and a lot of brown folks uh, are in these areas that have these air airports, that have these um, mm. uh, uh, water treatment facilities, dump facilities or, or landfill. And there's this environmental racism and this environmental issue that's going on. So yeah. uh, on a larger scale, outside of the developmental piece, uh, the work that's being done through not just this one urban farm, but other farms, other uh, food mm. sovereignty, as we call it, mm. efforts, uh, it is really important yeah. to combating and taking ownership of our environment. How um, would... Mm -hmm. the, this is good. I, I really like how you're doing it. It sounds like, and you could tell me What's the difference between what you're doing in a community garden? Is that the one and the same, or would you say it's a different kind of level or type of effort or work that you're doing? Because I'm hearing you talk about the actual farm, mm -hmm. and the agriculture, where community garden, uh, I think more about like food deserts. I think about like right in the middle of the neighborhood, you know, kind of a small plot where maybe there used to be a dilapidated. Mm -hmm. um, is there a difference or are these one and the same? Oh, yeah, there's definitely. Well, well. One thing is they are used interchangeably, mm. uh, but it also depends on who you're talking to. Uh, you know, when when our farm got started, it was called a community garden. Uh, but with all the extensions, with the gotcha. increase of productivity and stuff, uh, we do we do more so refer to it as a farm now. Um, and there are multiple ways in which and I'm, I'm trying not to get too. Uh, into the into the weeds of it, yeah, if yeah, I can yeah. use a, I don't mean a gardening pun, yeah. <laughs> but um, I can. Uh, but you, this is what I study, right? So, like, yeah. there are uh, multiple multiple different ways in which a community garden can can operate. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the one you're referring to is more so where, like you said, folks get a plot of land and it's kind of communal, mm -hmm. and you just kind of grow on your plot, and it's other people who have other plots around yeah. you. And yeah. you can choose to barter and all that stuff. This is not exactly that. Uh, what what we do at the male's place is more so uh, giving young black. It's really intergenerational because it's people mm. like me. It's people who's much older than me who's working. So, so but it's wow. the focus is the young men. But it's given us an opportunity to come and do with our hands. Uh, you know what folks would not want us to do at all. Wow. Uh, which is which is feed ourselves, which is build up the again, the capacity, the competence, uh, the character to know that we can do those things and the connections with the other folks that we work with. And it is 
you know, I can't tell you over the years how many times a, a, a person, a senior or somebody who's a little bit more elderly or not has come up and just been like, wow, I've been seeing y'all or I rolled by today. And just to see young black men engaged uh-huh. in productive activity yeah. made my day. Yeah. Uh, so it, we're, we're providing a countervailing narrative as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's because, you you know, people like to put black kids in a box, particularly, you know, you, I mm-hmm. mean, I walked in, I went to Canada a couple of weeks ago. I went to work out. Oh, you must play sports. No, I'm just, I'm just working out, man. You know, I, I, I'm just working out. That's all. But uh, maybe that's a, a smaller microaggression, but we don't often think about or, or even just as young men, we don't know, even consider that agriculture is a thing or something that I may be interested in. So I think that's a powerful, you know, experience to be able to do. When I was like 12, 13, my mother was a part of the Civil Rights Heritage Museum or, or center. And I had opportunities to go to like the Underground Railroad Museum wow. and go to different natatoriums or places where um, integration started to happen for the first time in my city. And that really just opened my mind up to history and, and different opportunities um, to learn, you know, and understand. And so, like you said, I think this is a, a gateway opportunity as well. They say, like you said, intergenerational, but everybody's learning, you know, that the, mm-hmm. the, the, your elders are staying young, your 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 folks like yourself and I kind of in the middle, you got somebody to look up to, you got somebody to bring up to your level. So it's it's everybody wins in this situation. So I'm glad. It, are, are you all only located in Charlotte? Yes. So, okay. um, you know, our, our founding executive director, a gentleman by the name of Baba Reggie Singleton, mm-hmm. um, you know, he would love to, for lack of a better phrase, franchise the mm-hmm. model that we have. Um, but it it just takes an incredible amount of work and yeah. commitment. Yeah. Um, and I know that there are folks, um, you know, around the world, around the country, around the state that Love. can do the work and that would be committed. But we just got to be able to connect with them and, and, and share the game, if you will, mm-hmm. on on the way that we do it. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're only here in Charlotte, but we are international in some ways. Mm-hmm. So uh, one aspect of our program uh, is we do have a travel program. So about two months ago, we went to Charleston, South Carolina, uh, and we learned about the African experience there. Uh, our Gullah Geechee sisters and brothers actually went to an initiation ceremony for mm. the Gala uh, tribe or kingdom, uh, which which is connected to West Africa. Wow. Um, 2019, prior to COVID break. So that was our first trip since COVID had broken out. Mm-hmm. We took a little break. Uh, 2019, we went to Cuba. Um, learn about the African experience there, uh, met up on the ground with another uh, teenage youth program that um, actually, um, uh, you know, did a beach cleanup with us. And that was really interesting because uh, most of those teenagers did not speak a lick of English. And I can tell you, hardly none of us speak Spanish. So to see them interact with each other, figure out how to work together and then go play at the beach, you know, afterwards was was really cool. Uh, And it goes I I will note that (laughs) most of the youth in that program were women or girls, you know, versus we have all guys. So that Mm. was a very interesting dynamic to to see them play that out. But, um, you know, we've gone to Ghana, West Africa. Uh, We've done Alabama and prayerfully this upcoming year we will travel to Kemet or what they call mm. uh, Egypt mm. uh, and we always visit universities any of these places that we go wow. uh, and make connections with the faculty members there we've had students go off to some of these universities like Howard mm. 
We did DC in the past. Uh, so, you know, there, it's a very robust program and we're, we're always happy to share about it and, and, and ask and implore folks to support us and to join us. Uh, and wherever you are, um, if this is something that you think you, you want to bring to your town, we're definitely happy to speak with you about that. How can they do that? Well, how do they find you in the yeah. organization? Great, great question. Uh, so you can check us out at themailsplace.org. That's www.themailsplace.org. We, again, are a nonprofit organization, uh, hence the .org. Uh, and so you can check out, you know, we got a nice logic model up there about how our program functions. We have a media page so you can see uh, some of the things that we've been doing recently. Uh, we just had a recent showcase on uh, national, the national CBS syndication. Uh, so that was a nice spot. Mm. The Charlotte Observer just did a, fr a front page uh, article on us this year. We won the mayor's mentoring program of the of the year in 2020 mm. in Charlotte. We also just was awarded the Men of Change Award uh, about a month ago from the Smithsonian. Wow. Um, and Ford Foundation, as well as a couple wow. museums here in Charlotte that showcase that exhibit. So check us out. We're we're all over. Wow. That's cool. You held that one tight, man. You, you held that <laughs> one up tight. That's a lot. That's that's a lot of acclaim. And I think um, your efforts, even without mentioning your accolades, they they show up. I mean, you can tell it's a valuable program with or without those accolades. But that's that's really special, man. Definitely check check that out. Where can we find you specifically? Yeah, you can check me out. Um, I have a pretty uh, weak social media presence, I'll admit. Um, but I'm AJ Simmons on Facebook, all the number one piece on Instagram. And that's pretty much all I have. Um, you know, we you know, we are in the uh, process of expanding some of the things we're doing, like you and I kind of talked about offline, Trey. I'm a community psychologist by training. And so um, a lot of what I do is just various consulting, a lot of evaluation, yeah. some speaking and stuff like that. Um, so definitely uh, check us out at All Means Consulting. And I'll just go ahead and share uh, the the email address for that. So that's allmeanssolutions at gmail.com. So all means with an S on the end, solutions at gmail.com. I love it, man. You got a lot going on, sir. Any final things that you want to, to leave with the audience before we go? Certainly. A um, couple couple items real fast. Uh, so in the work that we do with the Mel's Place and the grander food movement, food system movement in Charlotte, um, we, we call that food sovereignty. And that is because food access is great. If you're struggling, if you're starving, you want to be able to eat. You want to have access to food. And I understand that. But we have to move beyond um, that, right? The, the saying goes, if you uh, feed a person, if you give a person fish, they eat for a day. If you teach them how to fish, they eat mm -hmm. for the rest of their life. And we're doing that with, with growing food. But it's not just the production. We have to be involved in the manufacture, the uh, distribution, the sale, and as well as the consumption of, of whatever food or whatever other products that we yeah. have. And we learned from the great Thomas Sankara, who was a president of Burkina Faso, that he who feeds you controls you. And so the food sovereignty mm -hmm. movement is all about taking that control back because you got to eat. And once you can feed yourself, then what other areas of human endeavor open up for you? 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and I love to share this with everybody, you know, spread love. And to be able to spread love, spread love, you got to be able to love yourself and it shows. So spread love everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love it so much, man. Go check AJ out. All the great things that you're doing. Um, really love this. Gave me some insights on what you're doing at the university level and what you're doing with young men aged 12 to 18 as well. I've got some more ideas for you. And if you're listening to this episode, share it with someone that needs to hear it. Uh, follow us on iTunes and Spotify at the Dash Podcast, also on SEL on YouTube at SEL Educators and SELEducators.com. We'll see you next time. This is the Dash. Thanks for listening to us on the Dash Podcast. I definitely hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you liked it, share it with a friend, share it with an educator, share it with someone who needs to hear the message from this episode. You can visit our website, seleducators.com, to learn more about our online courses and professional development training for schools and districts. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash.